Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Man in the Black Suit podcast. It's good to see everybody. We were gone last week, but we are back. Yes, we are. Hello, Pam. Hello, Leslie. So How was last week? Last week was wonderful. I spent We spent the uh, day in Washington, D.C. at the National Gallery of Art and saw the Tintoretto um, exhibit that was, uh, that's going to be leaving there, I think, at the end of the month. And they had paintings from not just their own collection, but the paintings came from Venice and uh, Rome. And Queen Elizabeth II had one that was on loan there. Um, and it was just, it was just so good. It was such beautiful work. And, you know, he, Tintorento was a uh, Venetian artist. And he wanted to be able to draw like Michelangelo. Mm, but use love colors it. like Titian. So, uh, you know, he was right in between all that. And he was, it was just in, incredible. And Phil, oh my God, Phil was in his glory. Oh, we, I knew he would love it. That's we great. Walked, we walked into the room, and I, he just teared up. It was just incredible. So oh. I, was, I was really happy that I could get him down there. That's See really, that. that's really phenomenal, Pam. Yeah. That's really great. Yeah. And I want to say hi to Kenzie and Lori, and hello, Betty. Is Betty, hello everyone. So, yeah, so it was a lot of fun. Uh, we, I had his niece Marlene with us and his friend Nick who is another artist he does a lot of pottery art and he likes nudes oh cool yeah yeah that's great so yes. he was in the right place for uh, the gallery down there is really great it is but we spent the entire time at the exhibit we didn't mm-hmm. go anywhere else in the gallery he there was one painting he that he did want to see and to be honest with you, I don't remember the name of it, but he um, uh, didn't get to see it because it is out on loan. And so I said, so there's hope that when it comes back, we can go back again. Um, but his next, he wants to go up to the Fisk up in New York. I think it's on the Upper East Side of New York. Oh, so, I've never been there. Neither have I, to be honest with you. So we shall see what goes there goes on that is great trying to work that trip out now (laughs) that's good Kenzie said glad you and Phil had a good week we did we did and I had him down at uh, uh, along the river in the Lincoln Drive side of the Schuylkill uh, between Boathouse Row and the Waterworks which is a whole part, part, part of the Fairmount Park system and uh, Boathouse Rose noted for their sculling and they've got a lot mm-hmm. of regattas and stuff and a lot of the schools have houses there There's the big one is the Vesper Club and I think that might nice. be kinetic with Penn, I'm not sure but yeah, so it was it was, you know he just sat there and he found this tree that he really liked and he just started and that was the end of him you know, he gets lost in it so, which is wow. Cool. Yeah, I wish I had that 
concentration <clears throat> for things and ability. So that's that's so great. I, that's I and I'm just you know I think it's wonderful that you were able to take him. I, I really do. Yeah, you know, I I feel honored that I can take him to these things because you know he's 95. He'll be 96 in November. You know, how many yeah. more, how much more time can he have? I mean, he can, but, so. That's great. Yes. So, hello, Annette. Nice to see you. <laughs> so, we've, how did your week go? Oh, yeah, my week was, I, I as I've been, I shared with you before we went on air, um, and I actually put this in an email uh, to SR when I was asking questions. Um, I've been in finals week, it seems, uh, for a couple weeks now. <laughs> so my week was really good, but really crazy um, with work projects. I had three major, and I'm talking big reports due within, drafts of the reports anyway, due within like three days of each other. So, um, you know, it, it really reminded me of finals week in school because it was just like an all-out workathon. So um, I'm happy to say we presented our findings for the one report yesterday, and it went really well. The client was really happy, so um, I was I was really pleased with that. So it's just you know it's it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot because yeah. I'm juggling a lot. It is. It is. Um, but I was happy we could uh, jump on the podcast today. Um, because I, you know, we, uh, the, the good news this week is uh, the emergence, uh, the reemergence of, of our SR. dear SR. Coming out of the Hobbit hole. <laughs> Coming out of the Hobbit hole. It seems to me that SR is having his finals week too. <laughs> it seems that way. Yes. Yeah, we, we, can, we, uh, we can share some of the announcements. Yeah, uh, we, that, yeah, uh, we, we uh, sent him questions he gave us announcements <laughs> which is why we asked him for that too so mm -hmm. what we have is um his biggest news is that he hopes to have an announcement related to the gabriel inferno film soon he said things are in progress which is a, which is good news in itself and he'd like to disclose to readers that if you choose to describe uh through the promo on his website he does get a bonus from that. So you can, you know, I'm sure it's the royalty type deal that he may get, which is fine. Right. But For he wants everybody place, right? to know that. Right. Mm -hmm. um, he also wanted to relay that the delay of Gabriel's promise to January 7th is due to the publisher. Uh, they moved the release date, it was beyond his control. And he, it had to do with their schedule. It had nothing to do with what he was doing or editing or anything like that. So we can, we can blame the publisher on that. Um, but the book is in editing, the editing process. He also is saying that the cover reveal will be soon. Oh my gosh, so exciting. Yeah, yeah that's gonna be fun. That's gonna I'm be fun. so excited by this yeah. whole prospect. A new Gabriel book? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Kenzie says, that's okay. I'd wait forever for promise. It's worth it. <laughs> Agreed. True. That is true. 
And we felt that way with the movie too, right? Absolutely. I mean, it is worth the wait. And by the way, ladies, I'm posting the link, um, as hard said, so you'll have it. So then um, and, and if you, you can, if you're not on Passion Flicks already, you can go through the link to get it. Um, yes. The Del, uh, Del Rey Edzione of Milan released Il Principe at the end of May, and it's been receiving really good reviews. And they will be releasing the Italian edition of The Raven in October. Um, also, also said that the XYZ media of the Czech Republic released the Czech edition of The Man in the Black Suit. So that's going to be good. Uh, and like I said earlier, he mentions that he took some time from social media, but he's back. I'm just reducing the amount of time online because I'm writing. I haven't announced Yay. my next project yet, but again, stay tuned his exact words so that's <laughs> exciting always fun always good to hear he's writing and he's got something going on i so know I i'm so thrilled about that i mean i can be going in so many different directions there could Absolutely. be more gabriel there could be more nicholas and acacia it could be it raven could, and william it could be totally new characters um it could be kate yes you know? it could be kate's story it yeah. could be paul it could be paul and betty's story that's true um, as Betty says, the professor has been known to enjoy building anticipation. That's true. That is very true. Mm -hmm. In more ways than one. As Kenzie pointed <laughs> out earlier, what sex scenes do you Yes, like? Kenzie. That was really good. That was I, good. I'm sorry I didn't get to respond yet, I, but I saw it and I was smiling because mm -hmm. I still... Now that he's reemerged, Pam, I think we have to pitch this... I think we have to pitch this show. Oh, yeah. Definitely. What do you Definitely. think? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Betty says, I just fainted and went to Paul's heaven. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yes. I'm so glad you guys could join us today. I was looking forward to this. I, I, I mean, I miss when we don't do the podcasts, and I know just a heads up, we won't be doing one next week. As you recall, it's my daughter's birthday. So we will have our next one the week after on the 26th, and um, our very special podcast. Yes, because we'll be on about 9 p.m. that day because mm -hmm. we're going to be having uh, Jen uh, and Morgan, I believe, also uh, talking about their paperback writers that was released yesterday. And the proceeds of that are going to the World Literacy Foundation. So exactly. I... I I have not downloaded it yet. Um, that is on my list to download. And I am looking forward to reading all the different stories. And it's based on the titles of Beatles songs, if I'm not mistaken. You know, right. They, it was inspired by that. Yeah. So, and being a Beatles fan, as a lot of people are, why not? So great. <laughs> I know. So. Um, I, I'm loving the chat room uh, in regards to the favorite sex scenes. Lori says, "I'd really have to think about my answer, Kenzie." I agree, Lori. I didn't. I couldn't just whip off a response. There's so many. There and then Betty says, "We need Paul's sex scene." Then I can truly decide. <laughs> Kenzie says, "It's hard. They're all so unique and intricate." 
Uh, Betty says, hopefully the sex scene won't be of Paul and Allison. <laughs> Annette says, happy to escape from work early to hear all the SR announcements. Mm-hmm. Long, long five home and love hearing them all. Long ride home, I'm yeah. thinking, is what that uh, was, and love hearing them all. I agree, Annette. It's so much fun. Yes. And Kenzie says, oh, that's why they have the yellow submarine on the cover, LOL. I, <laughs> <laughs> I put multiple. It's okay if you put several. Um that's great and uh yeah the yellow submarines on the cover i think the i thought it was a very clever title mm-hmm. um we have a lot of the a lot of fellow sr fans who are writing um have stories in that anthology and i think it's really cool if jennifer morgan um mj or bay as she's also mm-hmm. known uh mango susan um mm-hmm. uh, uh, they're can't think of everybody's name on there. Uh, Effie, Effie is in there. Uh, Brenda, mm-hmm. I think. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't have the, I don't have it in front of me, so I can't read all of the names. But yeah, there's a lot of them. And SR has written um, like a foreword to the book too. So it should be. It'll be fun to look at. Yeah, so. I'm excited too because I actually think. Um, I need to download and read it. It's definitely on my list. Um, and I'm going to share another, I'm going to do another shout out and share another really great thing I downloaded in terms of free books. I know some of you ladies are Helena hunting fans and I got an email announcing that she's a part of a new, um, anthology hilariously ever after. I don't know if any of you guys saw that on social media. But if you look it up, it's free, and it's nine different books from nine different authors. Now, Helena has her Pucked book in there, Mm -hmm. but there were a variety of other authors that I wasn't familiar with, and I love the fact that this is a great way they kind of hook you in. Um, I took advantage of one of these books last, over in February, they did a, a Valentine's anthology, and literally, I discovered some really cool authors. So I love the whole um, idea of bringing new authors to other fans. And um, th- again, this is why I'm mentioning this uh, Helena Hunting one. If I can find the link to that, I will okay. share it. But um, that's how I feel about paperback writers and about Morgan and Jen and the fact that they're doing this for charity, which is always so so great mm-hmm. and um it gives you an opportunity to discover writers that you haven't read before mm-hmm. so really really good stuff yeah so but so general and all will be available to us uh, again uh, not next week the following week and it will be at uh nine because she's on the west coast so and mm-hmm. works during the day so we got to work we're working around that Anywho, we've got chapter 46 to look at. Yes, we do. Uh, I'm very excited. We have, uh, I cannot wait. This is a very uh, exciting chapter. Yes, it is. Advent, ad, a very momentous chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, I just cannot wait until... 
we go through, um, you can tell I'm typing while I did this. Shoot, I just put the link in, but I don't know if that's going to work. It might work. Um, and I'll also, list. yeah, well, we'll see. I think, no, it looks like it's working there. Um, and I want to do it for paperback writers as well. I will do that before the end of the podcast. But I think now is a great time to talk about are Nicholas and Acacia. They have been having a very, very, shall we say, intense couple of uh, <laughs> a couple of days, as they do. Mm-hmm. And this chapter is no exception. It actually opens, and they enjoyed their dinner in the room at the Ritz-Carlton. And Nicholas finally could remove his prosthetic and just relax. And, you know, I can just imagine after having all these revelations at their dinner at uh, the Eiffel Tower and the Jules Verne and, you know, the the Luke, the, the Luke uh, interaction, um, kind of the discussion with Kate and you know, Kate's kind of warning about, you know, Nicholas, you know, having that sadness and, you know, that might, you know, you have to watch that, that might permeate things. So Acacia, uh, Nicholas noted, was um, quieter since she came back from her outing with Kate. And, you know, he, he was aware of that, but they had a lovely evening. Later that evening, they made love by the fireplace. As I want to know someone. who got the rug burn. <laughs> Nicholas. That's my guess. Okay. He's such a gentleman. He wouldn't have Acacia um, have any kind of injury. True. I don't know. Whatever you guys think, but that's my take. Um, during this interlude, they communicated with their bodies. It was very intense, and afterwards they, you can, again, you can visualize this scene. Afterwards, they're glowing, basking in the firelight, their naked limbs tangled together. There's a light sheen of sweat covering their skin. Her leg was thrown over his. They were wrapped in their arms of each other, enjoying the afterglow. And then the, the declaration. I love you. Nicholas's words came out of nowhere. Acacia was shocked. Nicholas looked pained at his reaction, his eyes filled with worry. He told her there was no need to reply. You know, I, I think he it came out. He didn't expect it to. And, you know, he's like, oh, you know, it's okay. You don't need to say anything. I just had to share it with you. I couldn't, I couldn't hold it back any longer. He touched her lips. He had been bursting to say the words for some time. He said, I'm, I'm afraid they simply slipped out. And Akasi was kind of processing it. You love me? She said against his fingers, yes. He told her since he had first laid eyes on her at the Victoire. He was mad about her, and he found her incredible. She asked even with all of her baggage from her past, because I think part of Acacia's processing this is she couldn't believe Nicholas would be willing to 
take her with her baggage and her lies. Right. And um, I think that was pretty, <clears throat> I think that's why she was having trouble absorbing it. Mm-hmm. At least when I read it, that's what I was thinking. Yes. And she asked, and Nicholas told her that she accepted him, Scar and all, and how he feels about her is much, even much deeper than that. She told him that she loved him too, and she had realized it last night. She had that realization. I love this man. She could see his heart and his soul in his eyes, and she said she simply didn't want to be without them. Ah, uh, I love this I part. Know. Yes, Betty says, Nicholas, I just called to say I love you. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. They brought their mouths together in a kiss. He did not know. He was so afraid to tell her that he would, and that when he told her, he would lose her. But the words could not be contained. And Acacia told him that she had been afraid for so very long. But she was not afraid anymore, not while they were together. You know, reading that, I, I when when I read that section, I kept thinking Nicholas, being with him, um, fortified her. You know, it. She was already strong. She was already resourceful. She was already, you know, an independent woman. Resilient. But he, and resilient. But he he kind of fortified her, and he, um, he, complimented her. You know, so well. Mm-hmm. Um, she had waited so long, and he waited so long for her as well. She told him with all her heart, as she touched her hand to her heart, just under the necklace, how much she loved him. He gave her a blinding smile and was so happy that his feelings were returned because, let's face it... That's a momentous occasion. That's a momentous occasion. I mean, this is a great chapter. Mm-hmm. And Betty says, I got teary-eyed when they said, I love you. Mm-hmm. And she said, yes, they build each other up. I agree. It was a beautiful, this was a really beautiful um, revelation scene. Um, So she asked if he could not tell, since every time he touched her, she felt as though she was giving up her secrets. And I liked that as well, because they have this physicality about them that deepens their connection and intensifies their, it's almost a way of their communication is this this physical connection so he kissed her playfully and told her that she was very expressive during sex she straddled him and started tickling him saying so are you he laughed and tried to bat her hands away and nicholas said you told your ex-boyfriend that i had your heart and he said that made me brave and as he grabbed her hands she said good (laughs) good because he had her now and no more tickling as she gave him a look that was meant to be sincere liar he said as he kissed her palms this was one of the reasons she loved him she made him he made her laugh and she made him laugh always important in any relationship yes yes and as betty said everything was perfect up to now i love that line me too betty Mm -hmm. me too that realization of, the, of, I think for anybody who's who's ever truly been in love, that realization that you love that person mm-hmm. and you feel free enough to say it is incredible. You know, I, absolutely. And as far as Nicholas goes, blurting it out, 
in, in the afterglow. It happens, but again, he it had been building up in him, and he just had to relay that message to her. Mm-hmm. I think that's beautiful. It was just so beautifully done. Yes. So she's smiling down at him, and she looked, you know, took some quiet time to look down at his face, and asked very gently, how did he got the star? And Nicholas, you know, kind of let her hands go and said that, well, you know, you already knew about my sister and that his life was chaos after, after her murder. He didn't have the network he has now, and, but he did have some in influence and some wealth, which helped him sort of do his own investigation is that a group of men had been seen at the gallery on two separate occasions. Uh, and he had, they ha had not acted like art enthusiasts, but Nicholas had followed their trail to Bosnia um, and they'd found him first. So she's asking what happened. Mm -hmm. Pointing to the scar, he said, they gave him this. Oh my they gosh. told him the next time they met, they would kill his parents and they would kill him. And at that moment, he vowed he would not be someone they could kill. Uh, Acacia touched his face, telling him he was very lucky to be alive. And he had gone back to his family disfigured, that his own mother couldn't look at him. So Acacia wasn't sure if that were true. Uh, but Nicholas said that it was, but perhaps she'd come to terms with this, which I found very sad. But I think that's more Nicholas. Yeah, I think that's I, his interpretation, right? Because yeah. I can't imagine the way his mother's character is written. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine her not being able to look at him. I'm I sure know. the pain of seeing his pain her. and his hurt would be hard but I don't know yeah I don't know I, maybe hopefully hopefully SR can can expand on that a little bit just to mm -hmm. but yeah but as you know I mean like all of us that are mothers and even those of us that are pet mothers or anything you know there's that compassion for that child or animal that you take in and they become so much part of you and seeing somebody hurt physically or even emotionally uh, can mm -hmm. can really get to you and so I, I think that's just Nicholas's um, mental state stating that you know I, I have to do this I have to get these guys I have to because of my sister and he didn't get them and so that's maybe the way he feels with his mother that's the only thing that's I true. can think of yeah and, and as uh you know, Lori pointed out it is very important to laugh, like earlier when they were having fun and tickling each other. Mm -hmm. Kenzie says she adores the scene, and Lori said she has a hard time picturing what the scar looks like for some reason. I did too. Um, I yeah, did too. that would be an interesting to see with a film adaptation to see what what the vision of uh, the scar is. Mm -hmm. Betty says, "Poor Nicholas. I think Nicholas's mis Nicholas misinterpreted his mother's pain." And it may be Nicholas thinking that and that it's not exactly true. I agree. 
And she has a feeling Nicholas's mom felt guilty, even though it's not her fault. Ah, she thinks, Kenzie thinks the scar looks like the Lion King, the scar in the Lion, like scar from the Lion King, but bigger. That could be. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure, like, it, does it come down from the ear down his jaw? Does it curve to the jaw? Does it mm-hmm. go to his lip? Uh, you know, it's, did, this, did it scar real bad as to the point where, you know, it's not just a line in the face. It's like a, there, sometimes people get keloids with scars mm-hmm. where they bulge out a little bit. It doesn't look like that. that you know, that's. It it he's it's got to be to put the prosthetic on it. That's got, that's a lot of work for anything mm-hmm. if you don't have scars. Like when actors put on prosthetics to do whatever fat suits, jowls, right? You know. So and what's his name? Um, who mm-hmm. did the Godfather? Marlon Brando. He would yeah. stuff his cheeks with cotton so he could mm-hmm. sound like he was mumbling as I... as the. Yes, and Kenzie said it, the scars described in the beginning of the book. Yes, mm-hmm. it is. I I just think it'd be interesting to see it visually. Yeah, visually see it. You know, you, you mm-hmm. can think about it and read about it, but to visually see it is, would be interesting. So he, she's mm-hmm. he, pointing to the scar. He said that they had given him that and, and what have you. Um, he said that uh, he, uh that. He, Acacia asked him if he had not wanted removed. Nicholas had wanted to stand in front of the man and do the same to him, he kind of hates these saying. Um, he wore the prosthetic when he was home. He says, I lived with my parents in my parents' house, obsessed with finding the person who, who bought the artwork from the Bosnians. And mm-hmm. he had lost his fiance because of his obsession. So Acacia, it's so sad. I know. So Acacia kind of grew silent uh, and saying um, she didn't know he had, had been engaged. But mm-hmm. it was told her that he had been working in London and he had met her there. And he had brought her home that weekend, the night that Reba was killed, so he could meet the family. Uh, so she, Acacia is touching a soldier, asking what happened to the fiancé. Nicholas told her that she had stayed in London while he took the leave of absence and was in colony. Um, she did not want him to leave, but he did not have it in him to continue with her, so he ended the, the engagement. Acacia said mm. that if he had ever thought of reconciling, and he said that they had tried years later, but she had been hurt so bad she couldn't trust him. And that's heartbreaking. That is. So not only did he lose his sister, he has this horrible injury um, and barely escaped with his life. He also lost uh, his love from this and from this crazy obsession that he developed. And he, you know, I, I, his intensity, the character intensity that he has, Mm -hmm. I could see him becoming totally obsessed with Reva's uh, murder and trying to figure out who, what, where, why the whole bit and trying to find these people. And I can see where if, you know, he's not sharing anything with the fiancé 
that it was hurting her and he just right. said let's just end it so yeah i it, it's very it's easy to see um and it's just it's just really sad his intensity though i think you're right pam that that could have fed and fueled this um this non-stop that yeah this non-stop focus on finding the killers and uh, in the chat room uh, betty said according to akasi's first reaction nicholas's scar is visible kenzie said she personally pictures it to be quite large and bulge like imagine the joker's mouth scars which yeah i, I could totally yeah. envision that nicholas was lost in the pain and his grief that's true as betty says it's so sad that's true Mm-hmm. So she's, you know, she's now asking uh, if he knew who killed his sister. Nicholas knew the men involved, and they had boasted about working for someone powerful. But they had disappeared, and he had not been able to pick up their trail again. Uh, Acacia asked if, if he had worked for Yasmin's Russian, and... The, the Bosnians had been wise enough not to say. In the beginning, they did not know if they had been commissioned by someone to steal the artwork or if they were just opportunists um, who were looking for a buyer. But when he right. found them, they made it clear that they had been commissioned. Ariva had been a surprise for them, and they hadn't actually meant to kill her. They basically just wanted to knock her out. And, you know, I'm thinking about these Bosnians. And um, I read Andrew McCabe's book uh, recently uh, about mm -hmm. his tenure with the FBI and everything. And part of what he did was uh, go, you know, prosecute these Russian uh, gangsters in New York uh, from, like, the Brooklyn area. And it was very interesting because they could be very brutal. They're mm. sometimes even worse than the, the Italian mafia. Mm. So it was it was just I could I can just imagine what these Bosnians would would have been like. Really, really intense. Yes. As Kenzie says, Nicholas must be protected at all costs. Agreed. Absolutely. You know, and at this point, after hearing this, Acacia said she was truly sorry. Nicholas stated that when he found them. He would take the prosthetic off and shoot them in their brains. Acacia stilled at this comment. I did too when reading this. I, was, I winced. I, I remember I physically winced, I think, when I read that. His eyes glinted returning the art. And, and he, he was just so enthralled with this idea of, 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 seek, of, of, of harming them. And he said returning the art to his parents was important but he's never going to be able to return his sister. He was going to find the man who ordered the theft and kill him and his crew. Um, yeah, Lori says it got to her too. Um, he was going to find the man and Acacia just couldn't believe what she was hearing. She swallowed hard and asked, wouldn't it be better to turn them over to Interpol? And Nicholas's voice grew very harsh. Why? So the crime bosses could deny it? Or so he could plead guilty to possession of stolen property? No. They all need to pay. And I, you know, that was, you know, 
we went through this intense reveal of their love for each other and like minutes before you get to this it was so i mean man he really sr really did it to us that chapter and as kenzie says you guys ever have to put down sr's novels because they get too intense i have to take a breather sometimes and yes kenzie (laughs) i actually yeah i i think i've i've i may have paused I, 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 but I also want to read to find out what happens next. Like I'm thinking back to Gabriel's Inferno when mm-hmm. uh, Julie was being attacked by Simon, and you know, that was just well, it was when, very when, intense. Even when Raven was being attacked by those men. Oh, yeah, Raven's attack was really, really shocking. That was brutal. Mm-hmm. That was absolutely brutal. Yeah, and as Betty says. Or Mackenzie said that line kind of scared me when I read it. I, I, me too, Bet Kenzie. And Betty said, and just like that, Nicholas crosses the line. There is no way Acacia could stay with him after that confession. And I kept thinking maybe he's just overcome with emotion as he's talking about it. You know, I give Nicholas the benefit. He can't, you know, he might feel that way, but he's just um, hyperbolic right now. He's just, right. you know, going too, too far. Um, and Betty says, I pause and start having an internal monologue with the characters when it's too (laughs) intense. And she said, I had to do that after Gabriel finally revealed his past to Julia. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that, yeah, that was, uh, SR is good. What can I say? So Nicholas just need to bring uh, all that out. You do. To be in an honest relationship. Mm Mm-hmm. He's keeping it real. And, you know, and actually, I think Nicholas is too in this case. He's giving her his perspective. You know, these men took a life, ruined my family, stole from my family. They must pay. Mm -hmm. And she said, but that's murder. You know, she said, Nicholas saying with a cold gaze, no, Acacia. It's justice. And I love the fact that SR wove this meditation of, of justice and violence into this book. I just thought it was really, really well done. And Akasi asked, didn't you just want the art back? And Nicholas told her the art wasn't enough. The man had destroyed his family. His parents do not want to be in the house that had, they'd grown up in because of the memories. And Acacia asked if killing them would give him closure. Yes, he said. She bent over to him saying, Nicholas, please listen to me. Killing just brings more killing. It will never, ever end. And as I'm looking in the chat room, Betty said, men are always honest. They tell you what they mean. So I didn't doubt Nicholas was 100% honest about his true intentions. And Kenzie says, I like how it doesn't brush over those topics though they are very realistic and I find literature a lot of times brushes over hard but real life situations and you don't really have the feel of emotions as intensely because of that not that it also needs to be described in such detail but I find it good sometimes mm-hmm. <laughs> the god of writing, god of writing. <laughs> I love it Kenzie I think you uh, have a very astute perception of, of this I thought that was a good commentary 
And, you know, Acacia trying to be the voice of reason, saying, you know, killing just brings more killing. It will never end. And Nicholas turns on her and just says, what do you know? What do you know about this? And he spat out. And that was not the right thing for Nicholas to do. Because Acacia, can can you see this? Yeah. Yeah, I can just feel Nicholas's adrenaline pumping now mm-hmm. you know because you know he's getting all this out and it's just getting in riled up deeper and deeper into it and riled up riled up it's a great exactly it yeah and as betty says families who lose a loved one in such a brutal and violent way want justice an eye for an eye and she did agree that what he said was that was very low but i can see you know, as his intensity winds up and he just throws this line, what, well, what do you even know about this? She, I could see her just disengage, climbing off of him mm-hmm. and saying, Nicholas, think about the part of the world where I grew up. Think about my brothers and sisters in that region. She knew all about killing. So I think you know, Nicholas is so immersed in his grief and in, in his own pursuit of his, what he feels justice is, that he kind of forgot that, oh yeah, P.S., Acacia has been exposed to more killing than he has. Um, and she said she knew all about killing, and Nicholas sat up and said, no, that this was different. This was not terrorism. And so, again, the, all these shades of gray, right? Right. And not, and not the fun kind that Erica writes about. Yeah, that's, that's um, true. <laughs> actually, she writes yeah. about these shades of gray of tough situations, and this is, this is one of them. He, Nicholas is defining terrorism as an act of violence brought about by someone who is a law unto himself. And then, you know, Acacia's like, what's the difference between the Russian and her father? You know, what's the difference between the Russian and you if you do this? Acacia warned him. You know, what, what's the difference if you do this? You're not any different. She said, you are both powerful. You have intelligence networks and security guards. You have political power. So what's the difference? And Nicholas said, he's not the corrupt one. He's not the one who started this. And I, I see in the chat room... Kenzie says, I understand what Nicholas was saying because I went through some of those emotions as well. Um, and Betty says, Nicholas was overwhelmed by his pain that he undermined all of Acacia's pain. Yes, yes. So Acacia continued that if you are the law unto yourself, you are just like them. You can't decide who lives and who dies. You can't become the law. He said no one, he said no, but he could be the agent of justice. And Acacia came closer to him. Uh, and again, another scene, uh, this chapter I would love to see on the screen in so many variations. It just would be so great. And Acacia's right going up right into his face. Whose justice? Yours? Your sister's? Would your sister want you to become a murderer? Nicholas stood, his fist clenched, and he was in a fury. 
Look what they did to my face. Look what they did to my sister. Acacia stumbled to her feet, wrapping the sheet around her. And, you know, I could see the emotion. I, the emotion just kind of, you could almost feel it coming off the pages when you read this. Nicholas, you want justice and you deserve to have justice. But an eye for an eye makes us all blind. Don't you see this? Killing broke my family apart. We couldn't stay with a man who had become a law unto himself. He jerked his head in her direction, saying, I am not your father. I mean, this his scene. Oh, yeah. It's palpable. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It's a lust he for does. revenge. Absolutely. And he feels that He's... is right. It's that righteousness that he feels this has to be done in order to right a wrong. But is it worth losing your soul if you are doing something that is um, immoral, you know? Mm -hmm. Betty says, Nicholas and Acacia needed a bit of a break. Time to cool off. Really? And she said, Acacia has the patience of a saint. Well, I mean, she understands how she understands how painful this was. And yeah, she understands she Nicholas's pain and his, I mean, his, he, his whole life has been, is, is now for this purpose. So, you know, she's sympathetic, but. She's, she's very sympathetic to what he wants, but she's also recognizing what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And she's saying, you know, you will become him if you do this. Right. And, so, you know, Nicholas lowered his head so that they could look eye to eye and they were in like a level space together. And mm -hmm. he says, once this is done, I will be free. I, free to live, free to love. And Cassia uh, told him that once this is done, <laughs> uh, he, you know, this guy could come after you. Right. And you'll wear the chains of killing. And so now he'll have the Russians after him, after his family, mm -hmm. or yep. her. Yep. And she's like, don't you understand? You're going to put us all at risk by, by doing this. Right. And, you know, he's telling, saying to her, you have to understand why I must do this. You know, he, he, he's just seeing his want for revenge and his want to rectify what happened to his sister he's not looking at the bigger picture so right as Akashia searched his eyes she could see that there was desperation and desire in his eyes and a force of will and the and affection but none of that was enough for her at that point she says if you love me you won't do this mm -hmm. so he released her a must she says She's like, I love you, Nicholas. The thought of being without you tears me apart. And it's here. And she's pushing against her heart. Oh, I know. This, this just breaks my heart, this scene. Oh. I know, I know. But if you do this, if you do kill him, this man, I can't be with you. Mm -hmm. And so he grabs her fist and he's like, you know, if you were to think about this, about revenge and 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 
you would understand. And she would to, she told him that she had thought about revenge and death for 30 years. And I know you're wrong. Promise me you won't kill anyone. And mm. he wouldn't reply. So she extricated herself from him, gathering up her clothes that had been strewn across the floor. And Nicholas, we can't talk about this. Mm. But Nicholas is like, but we must. But And as she went into the bathroom, she locked the door. So that kind of shut him out on that. As well. Yeah. Oh, such a oh. hard scene at the end. As Kenzie writes, very, very raw human emotions. Um, but he says Nicholas needs to rethink what his concept of justice will really cost him. Is it really worth it? And as Lori says, it's heartbreaking. Absolutely. It, it really is. I mean, although I have to say, I expected Acacia to try to give him more time to come around. But I guess she wanted to just step away from the situation and let him think about it a little bit. You know, I, he I was feeling that... so strongly. There's no, you know, you know, it's almost like you got to let him have his, 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 get those emotions out. Yeah, it's like a hissy fit. For yeah. For lack of a better expression. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. You know, yeah. He's, she's got to give him the space to, to, to work through that. Mm-hmm. But, and he's not seeing any of this. Right. All. He's got, you know, like most men, stuck in his head what it is. Right. And as Kenzie says, sometimes emotions can overcome you and you really can't think clearly. It's true. Oh, sure. It's true. I've gotten mm-hmm. into arguments like that. I, I can remember one very good argument I had. I, I, I think part of it was hormones because I was pregnant um, with Patrick. At the time. <laughs> Walking out of the house and slamming that door. Mm-hmm. I, I made sure it slammed. And took a walk around the block just to. Yeah. You get, just needed to cool off. You had to yep. let it dissipate. And I think part of that is truly what um, they were doing, right? You know, she just was like, you know, if you, you can't do this, I love you, but I can't be with you if you're going to kill people. Like, I can't. I, I just, I, it's, this is not negotiable. And, you know, I know you're wrong. I know this is not the right thing. I, I've thought about revenge and death, and I've experienced this. I know you're wrong. This is not the right thing to do. And, um, oh, but. Yeah, it's just heart-wrenching. It is. SR, and he, SR writes emotions really well. He does. That he does. And as Kenzie says, Cassie is voicing a different perspective and is giving him a voice that he is blocking out of his head. She didn't go through it, so she is thinking more clearly, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. It does. Absolutely. And I, and I think, you know, the fact that she has not lived with that in his, what was in his head for such <laughs> a long period of time, she brings a uh, more open approach to talking about it. 
where he's had mm-hmm. this in his head for however long daily right. the fact that he's created this persona of uh, some underground person to mm-hmm. find out what's going on and and go for lead after lead after lead his mindset is totally blocked out any of the voices that Acacia is trying to put into his head right right and as Lori said or Betty says the boss loves playing with our emotions with our hearts Mm -hmm. and Lori said I'd not be able to be with someone who had these feelings someone who wanted to kill another person Kenzie couldn't either that would be it for me yeah I think you know again he's thinking this is justice but there are other forms of justice besides the physical punishment and if you even if you go if you're looking moralistically right the intent of the men were not to kill Riva that was not the intention so so would actually killing her would killing them be truly just when that was not the intention to begin with like you could argue you could argue that that rational point mm-hmm. you know it's not as if they that's the that's what happened that was the reality but that was not the intention um so yeah it's it's all sr's masterful um that he is he really is and you know we'll be talking about chapter 47 and 48 in three weeks Mm -hmm. so we get to see what happens after this that's right yes as Kenzie says like I said God of writing he just writes like no one else does or can and he's very skilled you can read and reread and can still find new things every time that's great literature right there very much parting that Kenzie very true and uh, speaking of where some of his writing is, I'm going to post the link right now for Paperback Writers Anthology. Um, I'm just p- posting the Goodreads link because um, that has all the links to all the places. And we will be with Jen and Morgan on June 26th. At 9, uh, at 9 p.m. O'clock. Eastern. East Coast time. I don't know if that will work for our friends over in uh, the, the middle of the country. How's that working in Oklahoma and Texas? Well, it would be like uh, 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock. Yeah. yeah. So it's 6 o'clock for Jen. Yeah. Lori says it's very easy to reread every one of SR's books and Betty says the fact that Nicholas opened up to Cassie about his true intentions makes me believe this is the first time he's actually voicing out loud his plans I wonder what his security team would say if they knew what he wanted to do that's an excellent point Betty you're as always very insightful I might have to add that question to the list for SR we did send him some questions he was going to try and get to them um, and I'm going to see if he still has any chance to respond. We'll share that with you on our uh, podcast on in July. Um, That's right, it's July. It will be. When we're talking about this book again, it'll be July. 
And we have to check because I feel like that's July the 3rd. Am I thinking that correctly? It is the 3rd of July. Ah, right before the 4th of July. Mm-hmm. I'm still down to do the podcast if you guys are. If it's easier not to, we, we can we can discuss it a little more. But I'm good with it because I'm not doing anything. <laughs> yeah. Kenzie says, I'll be traveling, but I will try to make it. Exciting, and where are Kenzie. you going, good. Miss Kenzie? Yes, Kenzie, we want to know. And she says, I'll purchase the book when I can afford it. I can barely afford a pizza right now. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's why I can't download it till Friday. <laughs> yeah, she said she'll be in the middle of the woods. Don't know how good the internet connection will be. In... <laughs> Not at worries. I would love to be in the middle of the woods right now. Hey, you listen, have no I idea. Was telling, I was telling Leslie, <laughs> um, Fiddlesticks is going to be uh, in uh, Port Credit. That's Ontario right. coming up and uh, it's a seven hour ride <laughs> <laughs> I know she told me this this morning I said come pick me up at noon we can get there for the show um, <laughs> yes Betty I would love so. to know what the boss would say also and um, mm -hmm. yeah well, yeah. I, I'm ready to run I'm ready to run back to Canada that was a fantastic time yes, and yes, yes. I did want to before we close out which I know we're about to put the music on I did want to mention, and I'll I'll put the link in to, I heard this on the radio um, this morning, and I wanted to share it. You guys may have heard, they're going to have the first mass at Notre Dame on Saturday. Really? So I just wanted to share the news with you out of France. It's going to be a side chapel with a very limited number of people for obvious security reasons. Only 20 people are expected to take part, including priests and canons. So it's going to be a very, 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 very small mass. Yeah. But I think it's going to be a very symbolic mass. It's going to be broadcast live by French television so that Christians from all over France can participate. I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up getting a, a feed and sharing that worldwide. So... You could look it's for possible. that. Um, yeah, because those chapels are along the side, and mm -hmm. they really, if they can fit 20 people, that's a lot. Yeah. Well, and they said the date was chosen because it's the anniversary of the consecration of the cathedral's altar, which is celebrated every year on June 16th. So I think that's very, you know, it's a very holy, very religious celebration. Very um, symbolic. The anniversary, very symbolic. Um, and I think... Frankly, I, I, you know, I just think it's a, it's a very, very strong symbol that they're moving forward. And, uh, you know, in the article, it mentioned that Macron, uh, the French president, um, has a very ambitious target of a five-year restoration of Notre he Dame. Which... For the, um, the Olympics. Yeah. That are going to be in Paris. Oh my and gosh. The other thing there was, I heard there was a. Um, a vote taken in in the British or the British the French Parliament I think it's a Parliament they call it um, that will be uh, they want the church built exactly the way it was because there's been talk about putting a big glass dome on top and uh, you know mm -hmm. just 
doing different things, but no, they want it. They want it to look like it did before the fall. Wow, that's pretty. I it's. I think five years is hugely ambitious. I mean, it is. They've they've got a lot of money for it, though. That's true. That's true. They did get I, a lot I, of money for it. Yeah, I I I was happy to hear that on the radio because I was like, oh, I can share it with the with the group on uh, our podcast today. So. Just wanted and to share Kenzie some good said, news. Just share it with us, or... Yes, yes, I, I, I will. So anyway, we will talk to you again. Um, we wish it's Allie's birthday. Yes. Wish her a very happy birthday. Yep, Alessandra's turning twenty-four. Uh oh, that can be dangerous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 what were you doing when you were 24, Pam? Moving out. <laughs> I think that's what she's hoping. I think that's what she's hoping to do. It's exactly what I did. Mm -hmm. I moved out, to, out of New York and got a little place all to myself and proceeded to go absolutely crazy that summer. <laughs> I, I, it is... Um, you know, that first time you're totally free from everything. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have parents around. You don't have siblings around. You don't have uh, other family members around. And I just got, that was my lost summer. But it was a lot of fun. <laughs> Long Beach, New York will never be the same. Anyhow. <laughs> Betty's laughing and she says, Pam lives by different rules. <laughs> so true. That's, That's true. true. Why be? <laughs> That's right. Well, well we look forward to Kenzie seeing you guys on. Them. Yes, and yeah, and we look forward to uh, sharing Same. and catching up and with the Locklears yeah. and hearing all about yes. the uh, the first couple weeks of paperback writers and see how it came about and, and to look over the stories. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, <laughs> Um, I have been to Disco 54, Studio 54, but I did. I never sold John Travolta. So. <laughs> I was lucky to get in because Irv Schrager and the other wild, crazy guy was very picky about who he let in there. So, Yeah, that's what I hear. That's crazy in there. So anyhow, <laughs> I want everybody to have a good couple of weeks and enjoy so um, we're going to put in on a little bit of uh, Antonio Carlos Jobim Aquas mm. Di Marco Have Love a good it. one